be reading from the scriptures today on page 5. Uh, it looks like we have a couple or three passages, two from Colossians and one in 1 Corinthians. From Colossians 3. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothed, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Colossians 4.2 Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And 1 Corinthians 10 Therefore, my dear friends, flee from idolatry. I speak to sensible people, sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is it not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, who we, who are many, are one body, for we all partake of the one loaf. This is the word of God. We're going to continue our uh, series in worship. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor at Christ Central Church. And um, last week we looked at why worship. And I have to start this particular talk um, uh, again with somewhat of a disclaimer. Uh, This morning we're going to... Let me explain uh, that I am not going to be able to cover the whole of how worship, which uh, can include stuff like work and school and play, But this sermon is about how worship in the church, in particular, how worship as a congregation on Sunday. And even then, I can't get too deep because of the time allotted, but I hope that what I would describe as these broad strokes will um, suffice to paint a picture that's clear to you, clear about what God's Word says. Anyway... How worship? How do we worship? Now, before I tell you how, let me just remind you of a few things so I can save face here. I have a seminary degree. Um, I have a Master's of Divinity and uh, from Covenant Seminary, the Presbyterian Church in America Seminary. So does Pastor Giorgio. Four years there, Greek and Hebrew, all four years, all kind of exegetical stuff. I just have to say that first. How worship. It'll make sense in a minute. I was reminded the other day how worship, when I went to that new bookstore in South Park, Joseph Beth Bookstore, really nice bookstore, check it out. And I was in a children's section because I have two children. And uh, we got there and nobody was there and my kids could have Thomas to train tables all to themselves. But then about 11 o'clock, all the vans and SUVs and strollers and mothers and everybody showed up at one time. Must have 50 kids and we were crowded out to the corner. Well, what's going on? Well, this guy came in and he had a guitar. Okay, 
And he started singing songs. Children's songs. And there I got it. I'm thinking about my sermon already. And on Monday, I got it. How worship is a complex combination of the hokey pokey, if you're happy and you know it, and Simon says. I told you I was seminary trained, so just. That we are called to participate together like these songs demand and in unity to put your parts in and then your whole into it to, to actively with word and deed proclaim happiness and thanks to if you're happy and you know it, sing or shout or clap your hands following the lead of the guy or gal up front. And to be careful, to do it only as Simon, that's God, of course, says and calls us to do it. It's not that complicated, guys. God calls his boys and girls to gather around and hokey pokey and be happy or sad or broken and forgiven and know it and do it and seek to do these things freely only as he gives them to be done in his scripture. With this in mind, as we look at how worship this morning, we will not complicate things by looking at how well or how on rhythm people are when they put their backsides in and shake it all around or or whether the smile or claps are as big as ours. But if you and I are doing it like children, you should, I mean, you should see those kids. They didn't care. They were just responding and putting it in and taking it out in the arms and the legs and the shaking and, and people were a little off rhythm and, and you know, it was just a real unashamed, free hearts. But also like those children to approach worship with a childlike trust, following the song leader, following the scripture. Are you ready to hokey pokey? How do we worship? We worship like those who are in love. Look with me, if you will, at your at verse 16 here in Ecclesiastes. As soon as I can get to it myself. I mean in Colossians, I'm sorry. No? I am totally lost, y'all. I should have had this up here when I got up here. I am seminary trained. (laughs) Colossians 3 verse 16 says this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitudes in your hearts to God. I mean, if if you've been in church or around church, you've seen it done a million times. People are singing and preaching and teaching every every Sunday. And when you start talking about psalms, as Paul says, you get a wide range of things, dancing and shouting and confessing sins and praying. Have you ever been around or seen someone who's in love? 
Maybe it's you. And they kind of go around acting surreal, either in kind of the Jane Austen romantic way or the ghetto fabulous way. It doesn't matter. When that Jones drops on them, they, they buy in candy and they talking long on the phone and they're writing poems and songs and, and crying and stuff. And sometimes they go as far as getting these cheesy T-shirts or belt buckles with, every, with the other one's names on it. And some get necklaces or tattoos with the person's name or even even an image on it and telling everyone about how great this person makes me feel. They just go on and on. Sometimes just sick. <laughs> it ain't sick. They's in love, y'all. And Paul says, let love be the motivation behind how you worship. And thus church worship should look like a bunch of people who are in love with the same person. Here's the thing. Y'all already know this stuff. What we do here on Sunday is not foreign to you. It makes sense if you think about love relationships. Anything you've ever heard, you've never experienced, what you see on the romance of TV. We're in here singing songs about him and and crying about the Lord. We're, We're acting desperate for him. We even write songs about him. Some of us even move around and dance and shout. Worship is about being in love. With the Lord. But that's the less important half. Much more than being in love, there is no more powerful motivation and understanding of how worship than understanding that you are being loved. You see, when I brought up that worship is about it being in love, I lost half of y'all. Because I know y'all know how love can be. Sometimes it can be selfish. It makes you lose all your friends. You know, I'm in love. Why why you been hanging out? Well, man, you know, um Why the phone bill so high? Well, you know, dog, I I I you know. The person may just be trying to get up with that other person. They might be in love with just being in love. For some of you, those words were said and it meant nothing. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm a pastor of a church, obviously. And my bro, I'm sorry, Terrence, and my wife, and it, sometimes I can't stand those worship guys. I just If you help me in, you know, nah, man, I hate it. I get it, gets on my nerves. They come in church all happy and ready to sing, and y'all stand up, and y'all do it. And, and then, you know, then you, not only them, but the folk who always seem to be happy. Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. And you're looking like, man, please, it ain't that good. We come in suspect. We don't like all the emotion. Some of us, some of us anyway, don't like all the emotional stuff. We don't like people acting like they're in love because we know people play games. So how do we worship if we and especially that person acting up over there or that person sitting silent there when everyone else is standing up and clapping, if, if, if they don't seem to be doing right? Because we primarily worship not because we're able to show our love, but we worship like those who are being loved. I want you to look at this list again in verse 12. 
Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgives you and over all those virtues, put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. This ain't us completely. We don't come in here patient. We don't come in here feeling the unity of love. And then in verse 16, it produces worship songs. But this is more of a picture of the love that God has already shown you. How do we worship like God is showing his love to you and me and us? Hymns. And songs and admonishments Paul is talking about are more about God's love for you. How do we worship? We sing and rewrite songs. We sing God's very love for us as he has already given us the words and expressions to use. You know what it reminds me of when you were young and you had to get a Christmas present for your mom and daddy? Y'all know how it was. Y'all didn't have no job. You didn't have no money. So what do you do? Mama, can I get $10 to buy you a present? And on Christmas morning, you bring that gift in proud. Woohoo! I got you a gift, Mama. Now you spent five on the gift and you got pizza and candy and drink with the other five. But you're like, Mama, I got you this gift. And when she opens it, you actually act surprised. Like, like you're feeling proud that you went out and you got this gift. When the truth is the gift you bring is because your mom has already given you what you needed to get it and to give it. Worship is nothing short of a participa- participation in a live show. God's live show of us for us. And it calls for audience participation to be affected by him, to, to be moved by him, to dance, to sing, to shout, to receive his blessings and words about him and for us. You know what worship is like? Worship is like those annoying live shows. You ever been to them? Where they want you to participate? See? Y'all all, look at them. Look at them. Sit back down. This is what worship feels like. God is reaching and trying to let some of you know about his love. It, no, let me clear it up. Worship has never been primarily your show. Worship is God actively reaching you where you are. The songs you sing is here are his songs. It's his subject. It's his fabric. And he comes out. Why y'all so nervous? (laughs) And sometimes he. You hear songs about come ye sinners, poor and needy. He like crud. That's me. You hear songs like he, yes, Jesus loves me. Very simple songs. And you're sitting, you might be trying to hide. You don't want to be broken. You don't want to be a sinner. You don't want to be happy. You definitely don't want to look like some of those people up on stage that look like they lost their mind. And he says, stand up and praise the Lord. And and, and Pastor Giorgio says, all right, audience, get up, say, confess your sins, and then be silent. And you're sitting there and, and God is like out here. When that happens, don't be nervous. 
And I think what happens is some of us are nervous in worship because we have we understand that it's his show. He is he has come to reach you. God has come to touch you with his love. And like those annoying live shows, I hate them too. Man, I come in this church sometimes and I'm the pastor and I'm already together. I already have it straight and I know what God's going to possibly do. He's going to come out in the audience just like those annoying shows and he's going to say, Howard, you, you're a sinner. You got problems. You can't lift, lift your hands. And, and Terrence gets up, lift your hands, everybody. Crud. <sighs> Thank you, Lord. Some of y'all say thank you. You intended to come in here and not say thank you. Some of you come in here, you don't even know him. And like Paul says, let the words of Christ richly reach you. And you're sitting there and surprisingly, y'all, trust me, I am surprised. Someone, I'm up here preaching or Pastor Georgia's up here preaching. And all of a sudden someone's like, that changed my life. That was good. Or, or that really was for me. And I'm thinking, wow, look what God did. God's live show. What you see going on here are his words and acts. The drama of the Lord's Supper calls for a response to his love. Worship is God reaching and coming to get you in a live show, getting you out your seat, calling you to stand up, weeping or laughing or maybe seeing your sin to receive his forgiveness to, to even some of you for the first time. You're sitting there like, no, 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 here we go, running for his help. You didn't intend to call his name this morning. I don't always come in here intending to call his name. Sometimes, I'll be honest, sometimes I come in here just to do what I got to do because that's the way I feel. And I come in here and all of a sudden, here come God. In some song, in some person who says something, I see some mama holding the baby or Georgia who comes up here and baptizes his kid and starts crying, all kind of stuff. It's a show you and I have been invited to behold and participate in. And I'll be honest with something. I expect God to work every Sunday. It's a miracle. I just, I really see it as a live show because I know worship is God showing his worth to you. And if this worship is God's show, then how should we and do we worship? Like God speaks and has spoken to us. Like God communicates and has communicated to people, to human beings. Why is this important to how worship? Because it is important that we know that he has told us in his scripture and tells us what he wants in worship. One of my favorite commercials is that McDonald's commercial. I'm sorry, I say McDonald's, okay, y'all? Get over it. I was around when they had the A in there. They, they took the A out later. I love that McDonald's commercial. Remember, the guy goes out. He's already out. His wife, bring me some lunch. He's like, dog, what did my wife say she wanted? I can't. What is she like? Oh, my goodness. And he has to buy like three. 
And he goes and he goes to eat the double cheeseburger and he gives her the salad and she reaches over and says, thank you. I knew you wanted, I knew you knew I wanted the cheeseburger and he gives a salad. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's, I mean, that's a serious struggle. I mean, ask my wife. Ask any wife in here, even some husbands. The worst thing to do is not listen or act like she, the one you say you love, has not spoken. Man, I I can't. Ooh, when we get in a conversation and Kelly's talking to me and I'm feeling it's like coming in like like a radar, right? I don't know why it ain't coming in here, but it's just sort of I'm, I'm grooving with her, but it ain't there. And she says, what did I just say? Oh, no. <laughs> well, baby, what you said was, that ain't it. <laughs> you weren't listening. Why does that hurt so bad? Why? Why? Why is that so hard? Anybody want to tell me? Why is that so hard? Amanda, why is that hard? Never happens. Never happens. <laughs> Giorgio, be quiet. The point of the sermon is God has spoken. In this illustration, the wife is God, okay? You don't speak. <laughs> why does it happen? Why is it so bad? Because you say she's not important to the conversation. You say what you think is primary. And God is saying, and how worship? Worship like I told you to. Worship like I've spoken. Worship like there is a thing called the Bible. Worship like I told you. It is as if it's about you. And worship is towards you and a call to you, but it's not primarily for your pleasure. It's for God's glory. And so we come to God with chicken nuggets and all the sauces and even maybe we threw an apple pie in there and he has spoken. He has communicated to us. He wants a cheeseburger happy meal. Guess what? God can talk. God has spoken. But I think we're tempted in worship, in our human expressions, in our interaction with the God of Bible, of the Bible, to respond like God can't talk or communicate what he wants. We have to put words in his mouth. That's the way we act sometimes. We play action figures with God. We have a little action figure Jesus. Jesus says this, and God says this, and the Son, and the Father, and the Holy Spirit, all three together, they say this. And God is saying, don't play Barbie doll, or Ken doll, or He-Man, or, or, or Star Wars action figure with me. I am alive and I have spoken. But if he's real, if he's really living, then then we aren't left to make up how God wants to be appreciated or expressed or given worth. God is not a sculpture or a painting that we can appreciate. If we want to burn it, we can. If we want to smudge it, if we can. If we just want to rock by and not ignore it, we can. Worship. Contrary to popular belief, worship is not like putting words in a wooden God's mouth. It's not putting a bubble, putting words in the bubble over the picture of Jesus standing like this and and filling it with what we guess he would want or what he would say. It's not putting a caption of explanation under God. No, worship is based on good news. 
And the good news is God has spoken to you and me. And that's why Paul even writes here, let the word of Christ richly dwell in your hearts as you teach and admonish. And then all follows the songs and the hymns and everything else. Let the word infuse what you do. Let the word of Jesus dwell with you. It tells us what elements are part of worship. So what we have before us in Colossians and the rest of scripture as the word of God is the very word of God for us about worship. And as the very word of God, God speaking to us as a living God, he tells us what he wants, what he allows and what he desires in worship. How can I put this? He lets us know whether he wants curly or straight fries. Whether he likes it decaf or caffeinated. Whether he likes blue or green. And some of us think, well, that's no fun. God, God's not free. God's, God's not, that's not fun. But do you remember Simon says, Maybe you've forgotten the freedom and fun of being a child in that game when it was the most fun. You and I know and operate with joy and fun in it and most of your childhood life like, and you know this, it's no fun and no freedom to play together if people fail to follow the call of the hokey pokey. The call and response of the happy and you know it. And yes, you're going to have the one and two clowns. You know how it is. Put your whole body in and somebody going to put the hand in on purpose. But if everybody's doing what they want to do, regardless of what is said, it just ain't fun anymore. I mean, this is where he says unity, where he calls for unity. In, in the beginning of this, 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 ver- this group of verses is he's saying, Follow the word of God so that there can be unity, so that I can please be pleased. I've spoken. I mean, imagine if I'm putting my hand in, and my hand just happened to be a fist, and you decide to put your hand in, and, and the guy says, put your hand in, and I put my fist in, then somebody's going to get hurt. See, half of the worship wars, no, I'm going to say more than half, are because people decide to give God what they want. They decide, do it their way. And so God says, put your left foot in, people come with knees. They come with elbows. They're doing what they want to do. And you know, he says, let the unity. So God says, you know, here's the worship service. Sing songs to each other in unity. That's one song there. Let's sing a song together. And, and you want to do what you want to do. And we're wondering, why are people hurt? Why isn't this thing working? Because you gave God something as if he weren't living. As if he doesn't know best. Like, God, I heard you, but I I really think it's better that way. God has spoken. God has spoken to us in his scripture. Paul says, yes, write those hymns. Sing those songs. Do the Lord's Supper. Have public confession and forgiveness. And yes, preach. Proclaim my truth. 
But God says, along with that, I want some cheese on it. So he says, do some, do it with thanks. Do it with Christ at the center, with your heart and not your head, with joy. And you are free. Guess what? You are free to supersize that thing. I mean, you can make the music funky like we got going on here. You can make the preaching. Preaching don't have to be boring. It can be vivid and captivating and, and give me some different expressions of that proclamation of all sorts of media to supersize what I have ordered and called to be. Yes, be culturally sensitive, but by all means, for your sakes and for my glory, give me and the world what I have asked for in Scripture. But here's more of the good news. We not only worship like God speaks to us, but like God actually hears us. But first, some bad news. Of course. We don't worship him rightly. Somebody's going to mess up. I am going to make errors in my preaching, no matter how hard I try. I mean, I'm going to tell you, considering that I've preached on and on on and off since I was 17, I'm 33 now. I I go back and listen to some of that stuff I said. (laughs) Stuff was off a little bit, y'all. I mean, there was some stuff that wasn't tweaked perfectly. There were some things that weren't completely right. And and, And I understand what I'm saying. I preach faithfully what the word of God says. That's what I seek to do. But understand that, that, that in everything, there is not a perfection. There, there is not a complete. There are some words in our songs that aren't going to perfectly theologically be correct. And I want to let you know, like I said earlier about Sundays, Kelly and I, I'm going to just go and do it again. I, I'm sorry, baby. I'm just telling all our stuff. But the, Sunday mornings, we get in some of the worst arguments. We get in some of the worst fights about time. Oh, you took too long. Or Howard, you ain't helping. Or why didn't you finish your sermon on Thursday? Or anything. And we come in the door and our hearts ain't ready for worship. We're ready to rumble. Some of y'all know that. I think about how we come in and sometimes it's as simple as what happens on at the game on Saturday. Good day yesterday. Or who is playing on Sunday. Or for some of you may be thinking, man, she looked good. Yeah, I'm stupid. I went to church. I've been married all my life. And some of y'all are thinking, Man, at the pizza dinner, I'm sitting with her. Some of y'all are thinking, let me see, is it right? Okay. Hey. How are you? What's up, babe? For every one of us, in some way God has said, put your left foot in and because of our fallenness or forgetfulness or because we had a bad morning or or we want something else that God hadn't called us to, we put our right hand in, we forget to put cheese on it, our hearts are far from him. We don't believe in him today. So let me ask you a question. 
Where and why and how have you and I or anyone else earned the right to be heard by a holy and perfect God? I mean, how can we practice what Paul says in 4.2? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thank you. Thankful. I mean, like I said, I know church people. I know myself. I wonder sometimes, from the outside looking in, how can and do these sometimes evil and self-righteous and guilt-ridden and even mean church people come every week and seriously, how can and do what they do mean anything? Even here at Christ Central. (laughs) Come on, y'all. Woo, if I had a dime for every evil way y'all came and hit us morning. I wouldn't have to, no. But worship continues here. We confidently say 10 o'clock on Sunday mornings, neighborhood theater, every Sunday, knowing you ain't going to be perfect. I'm not going to be perfect. We're going to come in with sins and problems and we're going to sing songs and they don't mean anything. And as you're singing, you're thinking, hurry up and get over it. Man, I want to just let, let me get to this part of the service. Oh, man, I can't wait till he says, let us pray after that sermon because I'm thinking about the pizza right now. I mean, <laughs> But every Sunday we say, come, knowing that it's true. I'm, y'all, I, I've sat and heard somebody else preach. I know I phase out all the time. Especially when somebody else is preaching. Not you, Giorgio. But when somebody else, I mean, I, let me tell you how difficult it could be. You don't understand. As a preacher, as someone trained, as someone who thinks about where applications, illustrations, explanations, and all the stuff goes, you sometimes you have to think, man, technically, that, that, mm-mm. but it continues all over the world all in the city evil people going to church let let me me, 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 this ain't in here but let me break something out I don't know where this perception that church is the place the good people come You've heard this saying. God, I hate using little trite sayings, but if the church is a place of perfect people, it stopped being so when you and I walked in the door. How do you worship? How do we worship? Now, this answer is so complex. Y'all got to listen up. The answer to the question is the most important answer to how we worship. And the answer is bread pudding. Yes. I want you all to get this, man. Write a book about this. Bread pudding. The how to worship. Man. Okay. Not just any bread pudding. Poor man's bread pudding. I'm trying not to make light of this. When it comes to worship, God only accepts and loves poor man's bread pudding. Paul says it right here. Y'all can't see it because y'all don't know the Greek. But one of those words says bread pudding. As a matter of fact, 
Y'all don't believe me? What's the last word in the Corinthians thing? What's it say? What's it say? Loaf. That's bread, pudding, and green. Okay, get to it, Howard. (laughs) Do you know what goes in the poor man's bread pudding? Some of y'all know. Terrence, what goes in the poor man's bread pudding? What's the first thing? Just name one thing. Because I'm preaching. What's name one? Name one thing. What goes in it? Okay, that's good. In poor man's bread pudding, mama used to make it, okay? You take the moldiest, oldest, freezer burnt, sometimes with a little bit of the green stuff on it, the last end piece in the bun, in the loaf nobody wants, that one piece of bread you can't make a meal out of, it's just sitting, you know, you're trying to be nice and miserly, you put a little, put a little seal bag and you put it in the back and it's been sitting there for three weeks, but nobody wants it because it ain't enough, it's the rejectable bread, it's the stale bread, it's all kind of breads, and then what mama does is she gathers all the bread, up to all the freezer burn again, all the stuff up in the corner back, when you open the bread, can tell you, you reach way, and you gotta reach way back, you gotta do your hand like a hook, and you reach and you grab all all that bread out and it's a big mess and it looks nasty and it looks like ain't no way I'm going to eat this that's how church looks it looks terrible and then what mama does is she takes a little cream and she puts the cream and the milk in it and then she might take a can of fruit cocktail or some people I don't like the raisins some people put the raisins in there and then most importantly Wait, wait, wait. You, you gotta put your vanilla extract and put your cinnamon. But then most importantly, you gotta put that sugar in there. The sugar makes the thing sweet. See, we come to worship. Stale, old, alone, unwanted unused, even with a little bit of mold, not a little bit, a lot of mold of sin on it. There's all types of breads in the room, ain't it? White bread. (laughs) Italian bread. Uh. Hawaiian bread. Brother, you got all the breads. (laughs) Brown breads. All kind of Horrid stuff alone. All kind of stuff worthy to be thrown in the garbage. And what the Lord says is, is come together and sing some songs. Put some songs. That, that, that's the cream and that's the fruit cocktail and, and mix it on up and, and put it all down. And he says, most importantly, Paul says it here, it will taste terrible. If you don't add what can cover the staleness. If you don't add what will take away the stench. He says, in all things, Christ. What we got is a stale ragamuffin group of people trying to sing songs, imperfect songs of praise to a perfect God. And Christ comes And he's 
said, I will put myself in the mix with the stale and the moldy and the forgotten and the rejected and those who've been left behind to freeze and to rot. And I'll take their praise and I'll add myself to it. My blood will take away your sins. I will set a covenant. I'll bring it together in a unity. And what comes out is righteous and delicious and beautiful to the Lord God. How do we worship? Here's a novel thought. With Christ central, with Christ as the element that makes God able to take us in our sin. How do we worship? Paul says it here. Okay, here I go again. He says this. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. It's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks or participation in the blood of Jesus. It is not the bread (laughs) that we break or participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf. We who are many are are one body, we all partake of the one loaf. How do we worship? Like the worship assembly of the bread pudding. Doing the hokey pokey, clapping our hands, and being careful to do it as Simon, the God of the Bible, says. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus because we don't do always what you ask. We are stale. We are cold to you. We're moldy with sin. And Lord, we praise you that Jesus is sweeter. Jesus is brighter. And he brings us sweetness When you call us to worship, you provide what it takes to be unified and to be sweet together because of Christ. Help us in our worship. Come and get us in your love and help us to love you back. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.